Hey, have you got bare walls at home or in your office? Do you want to surround yourself with the majesty and inspiration of our mountains? I'm talking truly incredible photography of Western North Carolina landscapes. RedRockPhotoNC.com. Stay tuned for details. It's the Pete Callender Show. With more than 20 years as a reporter and radio host in North Carolina, Pete Callender is helping solve the world's problems one podcast at a time. Because he's a giver. And now, here's Pete. What's going on? Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for listening. I appreciate it. It is Monday, August 17th, and the show is made possible by patrons such as Ron Robbie and Janet and Lisa and Sam and Jocelyn and Les and Nick, Bill, Grant, Keith, Eric. I appreciate all of the support. I couldn't do it without y'all. I do appreciate it. And uh, today we're going to get into even more allegations that are now being leveled against Madison Cawthorn, the Republican candidate for North Carolina's 11th Congressional District. This is the seat that was previously held by Mark Meadows. Uh, So first... There is a reporter. Her name is Harvest Prude. That's her name. And she is a reporter for World Magazine, which is a Christian magazine. And it is actually headquartered uh, about six blocks from where I sit in Biltmore Village, Asheville, North Carolina. And uh, she, however, is a reporter based in Washington, D.C. And she sent out a tweet over the weekend that said, eight months ago, I began hearing concerns about sexually aggressive behavior by Madison Cawthorn. Multiple women came forward to tell their stories. So I just want that to be sort of the the launch point here because these uh, concerns were out in the community or being heard or being spoken. These concerns were out there eight months ago. Eight months ago. So that would have been before the runoff, right? And whenever we talk about these types of stories, when it involves politicians, people running for office, uh, you always have to take into account political motivations and political animus among all of the participants. Because if uh, this guy, Madison Cawthorn, was not running for Congress, this story would not have come out. These accusations would not have been made. None, none of this obviously would come across our radar. But even the people, the, the women who are saying these things, none of them have said anything uh, publicly or uh, that nor have they ever confronted him over this stuff. And uh, the main accuser, she explicitly states in her own words at Instagram Uh, that the reason she came forward now is because he is running for office. So you always have to keep in mind political motivations uh, for all of the parties involved, as well as any kind of animosity that may be driven largely by politics. So what has occurred? Or what is the allegation, I should say? Um, Is Cawthorn the great representative of family values his campaign indicates, says the reporter Harvest Prude at World Magazine. Several women citing his behavior towards them say no. The women say Cawthorn exhibited sexually or verbally aggressive behavior towards them when they were teenagers. Uh, He was a teenager too, 
Uh, that's according to the reporting here. He was a teenager as well, but they were teenagers also. So right at it, like automatically, I am now, I, I'm always suspicious. Thank you, uh, Democrats, for the whole Brett Kavanaugh uh, uh, show trial that you put on now, every single one of these things, I am hyper vigilant on and super suspicious of everybody involved because I don't know who to trust, especially when you sit on the allegations until after the runoff, when you had a chance to actually keep him out of office, but you didn't do anything. You waited until after he won the runoff and who who benefits from that? It's the Democrat, right? Because earlier, a Republican would have benefited. Linda Bennett might have benefited from this. But now that she's out, because she lost the runoff, uh, or if you want to go even further back, when he initially ran for the office, why not make those allegations at that point? And now the counter argument here, by the way, is, well, they, they were just waiting to see if he was going to be successful, because if he uh, lost in the original primary, no big deal. They just go on with their lives because he's not going to be in office. Uh, you know, and, and same rationale could apply for the runoff that maybe Linda Bennett would beat him. And, uh, you know, she got the endorsement of Meadows and Trump. And so a lot of people thought she was going to win. Uh, and but she couldn't even beat, you know, she couldn't uh, clear the field in the uh, original primary. So uh, maybe that was the intention. Just hold out hope that he loses and then you don't have to go public with this. But now that he's won the uh, the Republican nomination, now you have to make sure he doesn't win. And so you come forward now. But isn't that the same mentality as to why you should come forward earlier? Because if there's ever a chance that he could win, right, then you would be under the same obligation. Although now I guess the concern is that it's a more Republican district. And so the calculus shifts somewhat. So like I can understand all of those arguments, but you also have to understand the argument that why would you wait until he's gotten to this point before you launch the attack? Um, And in my estimation, the attack is timed for maximum political damage, which is why it came right on the heels of the Madison Cawthorn is a racist. And as soon as that thing fell all apart last week, then uh, like within 24 hours, you get this story. Okay, so I, I say all of that not to say I don't believe anybody or I'm automatically rejecting any of these allegations. I'm just kind of laying out all of the pieces here so we can kind of get a good idea of people's motivations impacts, ramifications, and decisions that were made along the way. Um, Speaking of decisions, if you are trying to decide how to keep your workplace clean or your house clean, or maybe you're a real estate agent that's showing properties and you want to make sure that the place is sanitized, um, how do you do this? How do you keep customers and workers uh, safe and uh, confident that you're taking the appropriate steps? Well, you get the Karcher misting system with vital oxide disinfectant at General Equipment Rental in Weaverville. They are your source for not just the Karcher misting system, but all of your uh, equipment rental needs from construction and earth moving to lawn and garden. They've got Whatever you need for the project, they've got the tool for it. But the Karcher Mister system, it's uh, super easy to use. It's like the size of a shop vac. It's got four independent wheels. It rolls around. It's cordless. You spray down everything, and then you're good. It's sanitized for up to 10 days. And then all you got to do is spot clean the high traffic areas. It is safe for kids and pets. 
and food contact surfaces. It uses an all-in-one, hospital-grade, EPA-approved germicidal disinfectant sanitizer and deodorizer that kills 99.9% of infection-causing bacteria and viruses, including the coronavirus, as well as mold and mildew and fungi, by the way. No rinse required. It's non-toxic. It's hypoallergenic. It's odorless. It's colorless and 100% biodegradable. It is super easy to use. Go check it out at General Equipment Rental in Weaverville. You can go to their website, generalrents.com. That's generalrents.com. General Equipment Rental is family-owned and operated for three generations. They're your official licensed Husqvarna and Honda outdoor power equipment sales and service provider as well. They do uh, also equipment service and repair. Um, go to generalrents.com slash Pete, and you'll get a coupon for two free cloth face coverings. And uh, go check them out, generalrents.com, and think outside your toolbox. So the World Magazine publication story by Harvest Prude, says um, that he ex- that Madison Cawthorn exhibited sexually or verbally aggressive behavior towards them when they were teenagers, when all of them were teenagers. Two women say that he forcibly kissed them. One woman told me he grabbed her thigh and moved his hand an inch or two beneath her dress. By the way, all of these uh, instances occurred after the accident, the car accident that left him paralyzed from the waist down. World Magazine has corroborated each woman's account with at least one other individual. I disagree with that sentence, and I'll tell you why later on in the third story here. Um, But I disagree with this idea that uh, they corroborated each account with at least one other individual. So the first incident occurred in 2014. So this is six years ago. Madison Cawthorn was 19 years old, and the girl's name, Katrina Krulikas, she was 17. They went out on a date. By the way, and the timing of this is sort of interesting, because World Magazine was working on this story for eight months, right? And Katrina Krulikas, she posted a lengthy statement that I have here onto Instagram before the World magazine story published now i don't know why that happened uh usually if i'm like when i was a reporter if i'm talking with somebody about uh how to stage the the story you don't go onto your social media and tell the story before i do right if i'm doing this story and i'm going to amplify the story and i'm doing all the legwork and i'm um getting corroboration and all this if i'm doing that then um, then I publish first. You can put out your statement at the same time, but you don't Bigfoot my story. I don't know why, but she posts her story up first before the World Magazine article goes, which actually allows Corey Valancourt at the uh, uh, Smoky Mountain News. Corey goes out and he gets the statement off of Instagram and he starts doing the legwork and gets the story out and see, this is why you don't do this, is that he publishes the story before World Magazine does. So World was working on this for eight months, but because Katrina posted her story on Instagram, Smoky Mountain News, uh, they beat World Magazine to the punch. So uh, here's the Instagram statement. All right, I'm going to read it to you. So you have her whole story in her own words, and you can make your own determinations about the level of believability on this. So here's her statement. I would like to express foremost that it is uh, it has neither been an easy nor a hasty decision to write this. 
My experience with Madison Cawthorn has been something I have thought about many times over the last six years. My initial thoughts then were that I was simply put in an uncomfortable situation and would learn from it in the future. The severity of this situation did not come to light until many years later when I shared with close friends and came to understand that what took place was not in any way right, nor was it an isolated incident. This story is from 2014, when I was 17 years old and a senior in high school. At the time, Madison was 19. Madison and I were both members of the local Christian homeschooled community. Madison was well known in high school, so when he initially contacted me over social media, I was pleasantly surprised. He became uh, he began the conversation by asking how we were friends online since he didn't recognize me, which at the time was disparaging since we had been a part of the same community for years, had taken a class together, and attended many of the same extracurricular activities and social events. Okay, so just want to point out here, I don't think that's a disparaging comment towards her. I think that's an ice-breaking comment like, how, how do I not know you? This this is one of the things, by the way, that I, I say often, which is if you're seeking to be offended, you will find a reason to be so. And it seems like this is nitpicky. This is her seeking offense. Anyway, she felt slighted at the time, like, oh, how does he not know who I, he doesn't even know I exist? He should know I exist. You know, whatever. Um, we're talking about teenagers here. So after making comments about my appearance, Madison asked me out on a date. We met at Biltmore Park, where he led me to his car. So this, I think, is interesting because her narrative just skips. And this is why I would very much like to see somebody do an in-depth interview with her on this, because how do you skip from he makes a disparaging comment towards you that you you apparently felt like you were being disparaged at that moment? He then makes some, as she says, some comments about your appearance. I don't know what those were. Is he flirting with you? He says you're attractive. I don't know. Um, and then he asks you out. And you said yes. So I'd like to know why. Why would you go out with this guy who doesn't know you exist, made disparaging comments, and then just starts talking about how hot you are, and then you're like, okay, let's go out. Okay. Uh, Madison drove me, to, She doesn't, th- but she doesn't explain any of that. And I'm just interested. Again, I'm not saying that that minimizes any of what she's going to say here. I just have questions about, you know, I try to see all the angles, trying to understand um, why you would proceed down this path if you um, had these kinds of misgivings right out of the gate, right? I mean, that's that's just me. Um, like, for example, it's just me that I prefer to sleep on a really comfortable mattress. It, it's great for uh, my mental and physical health because getting a good night's sleep is so important to that. And I got my mattress at Mattress Man stores, and you should too because they're fantastic. And right now you can get the triple zero financing deal. Triple zero. So zero down, no money down, 0% APR for up to 24 months, so zero interest, and zero payments for 90 days. So it's basically free for you for the first three months. And uh, they've got a 120-day uh, comfort guarantee. They have five-star local delivery service. They do ship nationwide. So let the sleep consultants help you find the right bed for you. They also have a queen gel memory foam mattress. It's $399, which is an awesome deal. Awesome deal. For the gel memory foam, that's an awesome deal. 
They also have a free bedding bundle, by the way, that includes sheets, a protector, and pillows, and that comes with the purchase of select mattresses. They also are the official uh, retailer of the Biltmore Collection by Restonic out of Fayetteville, and these are the mattresses that are at the Biltmore. So uh, if you want to sleep on the mattresses, you can either go to the Biltmore or you can go to Mattress Man. Um, and then you can bring the mattress actually home, and then you just go to your bedroom. That's how that works. Experience the difference at Mattress Man. Buy local and sleep better. All right, so she says they met at Biltmore Park. Biltmore Park Town Square, by the way, I think is actually what she's describing. Biltmore Park Town Square, where he led me to his car. Madison drove me to a secluded field where he told me we'd have a bonfire. I remember that as soon as we arrived, he wanted to become more acquainted. I began by asking a vague question along the lines of, what's your favorite color? To which he insisted on more intimate questions like, have you had sex? When are you planning to have sex? Why haven't you had sex? I immediately felt discomforted as he continued to pry into details of my life that were no one's business but my own. I had little to no dating experience and didn't know an appropriate way to get out of the situation. Madison continued the conversation by sharing with me the details of his own sexual history that began at age 14. At this point, he asked me to come sit on his lap. I uncomfortably laughed this off as a joke, but he continued to insist. I felt pressure and unsure of how to say no, so I sat on his lap. Madison then tried to kiss me, and I pulled away, not allowing him to kiss me. We continued to talk shortly after the conversation was halted when Madison quickly and forcefully plunged forward in an attempt to make me kiss him. He was much stronger than me. I recall being so startled that as he tried to grab me, I attempted to pull away. My hair was pulled inside uh, instead, and I got stuck in his chair. So the she had really long hair and apparently got caught someplace in the mechanism of his wheelchair. I had to yank out some of my own hair just to free myself. I never went out with Madison Cawthorn again. Um, she then says, I vividly recall the feeling I had coming home that night. Nothing about the experience sat well with me. This older guy had taken me to the woods on our first date only to pry into my sexual past and then try to force himself on me. I texted a friend expressing how I didn't feel comfortable being alone with Madison again, how he had been extremely aggressive and creepy towards me. And that's the end of the, the narrative we get about what happened that night. I have questions. I have questions. Um, I understand that teenagers, uh, in fact, this has been the subject of many, many songs and stories over the entire human course of history, right? That young people fumbling around trying to figure it out. Bob Seger, like, made a career off of this whole narrative. Just, uh, maybe not just this one narrative, but um, I it's not a knock on Bob Seger. I like Bob Seger. So he's in a wheelchair, and she's sitting on his lap. He's trying then to make her kiss him, which it seems w was unsuccessful. She she did not kiss him. There's nothing in the story that indicates that that occurred. But he tried to kiss her, and she refused. Okay, so this was, again, six years ago. I'm not sure if this was before the era of getting written consent, as a lot of colleges are now advising people to do. I, I, 
I do wonder, like, at what at what point the whole courtship process breaks down entirely, because as my understanding, young kids today, and these these kids are obviously a little different than the public school kids, because these are Christian homeschool kids. Uh, but the public school kids, like as I understand it, like a quote date is you go out and have various sex acts, and then you part ways, and that's it. But, you know, what do I know? I'm a 45-year, 46-year-old guy now. So uh, she says she never went out with him again. And she sent a text message to a friend saying how she didn't feel comfortable being alone with him ever again. Fast forward to a few months ago. Fast forward. So just skip everything else. Now we're, now we're present day. Over the course of six years, she says, I have told three people from my hometown about this incident. I was made aware of Madison's campaign team's knowledge of the experience when I received a text from an unknown number. So she says she was not aware that the Cawthorn campaign knew about this story until she got a text. And the next text to come was from Madison Cawthorn himself. She says he began by stating that he didn't remember all of the details of the occurrence. He followed with an insincere apology stating he did not remember attempting to kiss me even after I made it clear I wasn't interested, excusing it with the, I thought you were playing coy, and I can see in hindsight how that was over the line. I believe that it should be noted that this message came six years after the fact, when his political career is now at stake, and he faces the possibility of public scrutiny. I did not respond to his messages. So she fully recognizes the political machinations at play here. She says, I do not know who Madison Cawthorn is today, but I do know how threatened and belittled he made me feel six years ago when I was a minor and he had two years of adulthood under his belt. Okay, I'm not really sure 17 to 19. Like, I understand he's two years older than you, but I'm not so sure that that's like, oh, he's such a grown man by now. Yeah, I'm not really sure that that's the case. I don't know. It just, it seems like a reach to me. She says, um, over the years, the feeling of unsettlement that Madison made me feel that night has never been forgotten. I have gone back and forth questioning myself and questioning this story. No, I was not raped. Yes, it could have been much worse. I don't feel as if I am a victim. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Who says anything about raped here? Like, this was not, like, he went in for a kiss and, like, is that sexual assault? If like I, I like I'm genuinely curious. I don't know what whether that counts. He attempted to kiss you. You prevented that from occurring. So that's it. Right? Did you say did you say no and he stopped uh, or he didn't stop? Because she never says she said no. She says he tried to kiss me. I pulled away not allowing him to kiss me. We continued to talk. Uh, And then he tried to forcefully plunge forward, making another attempt to kiss him. Um, And uh, then she yanked away. She she stood up and, you know, pulled some of her hair out because it got caught in the chair. But she never says anywhere in here that she told him no, but he persisted. Okay, so I think that's important because that, as I understand it in today's day and age, like that's the the line. And actually, obviously, long before, but like that's the line. If you say no, that's it. And she doesn't say she said that. So I'm not sure. Because again, these are teenagers. They don't know what they're doing. They're trying to read signs that they're not, uh, you know, well-versed in understanding or exhibiting, all of that. She says, 
I don't feel as if I'm a victim, and maybe this is just one result of society constantly invalidating those who choose to say anything. So now you can kind of tell, like, now she says, all right, I I don't feel like I'm a victim, but maybe that's society's fault, and I should feel like I'm a victim. Or, Or not, right? Like, or not, maybe you shouldn't feel like a victim. Maybe it was just awkward and clumsy and he tried to do something and you didn't like it and that so it didn't happen. And that's the end. And it made you feel gross and uncomfortable because you're trying to wrestle with your feelings and emotions about all this. But like maybe that's it. Maybe it's not some sort of larger societal issue going on here. Now, speaking of societal issues, um, now more than ever, you need Old Grouch's military surplus. In downtown Clyde, you need to go visit them. Uh, Tim has an expanded line of first aid kits and medical supplies for all kinds of emergencies. It'll take care of you if you got scrapes, uh, cuts, gunshot wounds, step-by-step instructions. Anybody can follow these and uh, maybe avoid a trip to a hospital. He's got body armor, all kinds, made to NATO specs. Uh, These are for in-store or over-the-phone purchases only. He has face masks as well. They're made locally by a disabled veteran family out of military parachutes. They're lightweight and soft. He has steel gas cans, the pre-band kind, the old-school ones, the good ones, basically. And um, also, of course, obviously, real U.S. military surplus. For more than three decades, Old Grouch's military surplus on Main Street in downtown Clyde. The shop is open Monday through Saturday across the street from the uh, anti-aircraft gun and at oldgrouch.com. All righty, so one other point here. Let me backtrack for a second because uh, she says that uh, when she was first contacted by uh, the campaign, you know, she says... uh, Uh, I've told three people over the course of the last six years, um, and I was made aware of Madison Cawthorn's campaign uh, that they knew about this when I got a text from an unknown number, and then Madison uh, texted me, and he began by stating he didn't remember all the details. It doesn't sound like, by the way, she remembers all the details either, just not for nothing. Um, He followed with an insincere apology uh, and said he didn't remember trying to kiss me um, even after I made it clear I wasn't interested, which I'm not sure she did make it clear because she doesn't actually explain that, how she made it clear to him that she was not interested in him romantically, right? I, she doesn't say that in, in her own written statement here in her story. She doesn't explain that. She says he tried to kiss me and I pulled away. Then we then kept talking. And then when the conversation halted at some point, he then tries to kiss her again, and then she gets off his lap. And, like, that, I guess, and that's it. But we don't hear any other conversation that occurs about his failed attempts to kiss her. So the first he's made aware of this is when the campaign hears about it. We're going to get to that as to how the campaign heard about it. Um, and I'm not so sure that you can blame him for not apologizing sooner if this is the the nature of the story that he may not even have been aware of how you felt because you don't explain in your statement that you articulated any of these feelings to him at the time. Like, I just like you as a friend. Oh, can we just take it slow or anything like that? I, I There's nothing in here about that. So I'm not sure. I'm not saying it's the case. I'm just saying I'm not sure based on the information I have uh, at this point. She says she doesn't feel like she's a victim. She says, I recently spoke to a friend that provided a lot of perspective on the situation, and he said, it sounds like the pressure of it is making you ignore how bad it was. So this is, 
another similarity with the Christine Blasey Ford against uh, Judge Kavanaugh, right? That she wasn't really even aware of this stuff until she started talking to some friends. Or that was, I guess, Deborah Ramirez. That was her story, right? That she didn't even really think it was anything until she talked to a friend who then helped her remember some stuff. And so here's someone else, a guy saying, it sounds like the pressure of it is making you ignore how bad it was. How bad was it, though? Is she really ignoring it? Like, again, maybe she is. But on the other hand, maybe she isn't because it wasn't really that bad. I don't know. He says sexual assault isn't relative. It's bad no matter what extent and should be taken seriously. So is this a sexual assault? And I think if you start defining what I've just described and what she just described in her statement, if you describe that as sexual assault now, I'm not sure how anybody ever kisses again, right? Doesn't somebody have to make the first move? And if somebody pulls back, then that's it. That's not an assault. But if you go for a second kiss, then that is an assault. Is that how that works? Like, we need to have some, like, seriously, we need to have some standard here. There needs to be a rule. Like, we all need to understand what the rules are. And, and of course, there aren't going to be rules here. Because all of this is unspoken. You're dealing with nonverbal communication and attraction and, you know, conflicting feelings and all sorts of other stuff and hormones, right? So... She says, as I've continued to date into adulthood, it's come to light that this is not excusable behavior. Those who mark this situation off as boys will be boys only perpetuate the very serious issue at hand. I have met plenty of men throughout my life that understand the meaning of consent, that understand it is never under any circumstance okay to force themselves on another human being. Deem this situation what you will, but there is no denying that a clear line was crossed. Okay, a clear line was crossed. That's that was her impression of it. She says, at this point, I've been contacted by a reporter who believes my story is worth telling. While the media portrays Madison as a role model for Christian family values, my experience with him leads me to believe otherwise. I want anyone who may be reading this to know that no matter what you believe the severity of your experience to be, it is never okay for any person to put you in a position where you feel threatened and that your consent is being revoked. I want you to know that you are valid, you are believed, and you are not alone. The reason I am not cho- uh, ra- uh, sorry, the reason I am now choosing to speak is because Madison is running for North Carolina's 11th district seat and is on the path to being the youngest member of Congress. I believe that when you choose to be in the public eye, you should also be prepared to own up to your past mistakes. I believe it should be made public knowledge so that come election time voters know who they are choosing to represent them um so it's so she that is a full disclosure that she understands this is political right the world article um expresses no skepticism of the story that she has told here or the people telling the stories by the way which i think is a disservice to the readers This is her statement, and I don't know if this statement was written before she gave um, her story to the World Magazine, but I do note that things that are quoted in the World Magazine are directly from this statement. So I don't know if she wrote this statement and then gave this to the World Magazine 
they use this to write their story with some follow-up questions because there are some different statements she has made in that World Magazine article. So they obviously spoke to her. The reporter obviously spoke to Katrina uh, about uh, this story. But there are also passages that are directly the same. They're, they're verbatim the same. So I don't know if that's just lifted from the statement or if Katrina says it the exact same way in this paper uh, and in the statement. So I, I, I don't know. And I, I'm not saying it's terribly important. I just think if you are trying to see all of the angles, it might be important because it might indicate that it's one of the things like cops will tell you that anybody who tells you their quote story, you know, and if they say it the same way every single time and they don't ever change anything, there's no little detail that gets added or left out every single time they tell it, then that means they've rehearsed it a lot. And that might be problematic. It, it, it undermines credibility. Anyway, um, Corey Valencourt at the Smoky Mountain News, he got this. Uh, and by the way, I was made aware of this story as well when it hit uh, Instagram. When she posted this up on Instagram, I had a friend send it to me and say, hey, heads up. And so I, I read it over at that time and I was like, I don't know what to do with this. It would be um, malpractice for me to just read this statement without doing any kind of research in the meantime. And then, of course, quickly thereafter, you get Corey's story, and then the World Magazine publishes its story uh, as well. Speaking of stories, by the way, Stacy Redmond's got a really good story. He's from Western North Carolina, and uh, I don't know, about two decades ago, he started taking uh, photos of the Blue Ridge Mountains. He has actually charted every single overlook along the Blue Ridge Parkway, so he knows uh, you know, sunrise, sunset times, and all of the aperture and all of that stuff of every single spot on the Blue Ridge Parkway. He's charted it over the last 20 years. And he made this decision to get into uh, business for himself as a photographer because his daughter was like, uh, Dad, why are you working so much? And kind of broke his heart. And he says, you know what? I'm, I'm really enjoying my work. Um, I'm going to go chase my dream and I'm going to spend time with my family. And he did it. And so that's what he's been doing with Red Rock Photography, redrockphotonc.com. You got to go to the website and check out uh, his work. It's amazing. These are awesome photographs. See for yourself at redrockphotonc.com and use the promo code Pete for 20% off. That's redrockphotonc.com. So, Corey Valencourt, Smoky Mountain News. And uh, he actually gets Madison Cawthorn uh, on the record on this. And here's what Cawthorn says on, uh, this would have been two days ago. Quote, I remember going on that date with her. I think it was about six or seven years ago. And you know, that was probably the first date I ever went on after my car accident. If I ever made her feel uncomfortable or unsafe, you know, it was never my intention. We went on a date, we had dinner. And then we went by a campfire. I think we were roasting s'mores. So these are these are different details now, don't you think? Because in her story, it was he picked me up, took me out to the middle of nowhere, and then tried to kiss me, right? Whereas here, he's saying we went out to dinner. So we had this conversation at dinner. And then we went out to this campfire. We roasted s'mores and such. Um... I can tell you, he says, he says he does admit, I tried to kiss her. 
Uh, he says, I can tell you I have respect for every single woman. I believe in the necessity of consent. I did try and kiss her, just very normal, just in a flirtatious way. As soon as I realized that she didn't want to, I think she pulled back a little. The date was over, and we continued to sit around the fire for quite a while. I drove her back to her car, and everything was normal. I realized she didn't want to pursue a romantic relationship, and so I don't think I talked to her very much after that. I reached out to her after uh, all these years and said, Hey, I just heard that this is how you felt. Obviously, if I made her feel that way, that's something I would never want to have happen. That's something that's awful. So I wanted to reach out to her just to see if I could apologize, see how she felt. And it's just it just made me feel sad, he says. If she had any problem with this, I don't see why it wouldn't have been brought up right away. It just seems like now that the politics are involved, she's being used as a pawn for the Democratic Party, which is unfortunate. She says, I'm, uh, Cawthorn says, I'm glad that she did state that she doesn't feel like a victim. I don't really know what she was trying to insinuate that I was trying to do, but it's disappointing that this is coming out. I mean, on Monday, I was a white supremacist. On Tuesday, I was a Nazi. And now, you know, I'm making some girl feel sexually uncomfortable. Um... Katrina Aldana Krulikas did not respond to multiple interview requests made by the Smoky Mountain News. Uh, I suspect that is simply because she gave the story to World Magazine, but then she posted uh, uh, her Instagram statement early, uh, earlier than the World published its story, and so she probably dodged. <laughs> I have no idea, but this, I, but I, I've seen this happen in my own work like this this happens where you're working on a story you think you've got the inside track and all of a sudden somebody beats you to it and now it's like okay everybody clam up and so now she doesn't talk so this way it gives the world magazine a chance to get ahead of that story so uh world magazine then publishes its story i have that as well before i go to the rest of the world magazine story i mentioned this early i started reading from earlier um does it matter that Katrina Kralikas, uh does it matter that on her social media profiles, she is quite obviously a leftist? Does that matter to this story? And I, I, I can hear people saying, oh, of course not. Well, you know. It's, you know, he did this or he didn't stop trying to find the, the uh, you know, blame the victim card here. And that's not what I'm doing. I'm simply pointing out that this is a, uh, the, politics is infecting this story, obviously. She says herself that the reason why she's saying all of this now is to prevent him from being in Congress, right? That's what she's saying. Now, she says she's not going to vote because she doesn't live here. She lives in Durham now. But you go to her social media pages, and she's got a bunch of, for example, anti-capitalist tweets. She was a Bernie Sanders supporter. She's got Black Lives Matter stuff all over her Facebook page. Um. She's, uh, you know, telling everybody stay home when the COVID first started, uh, yelling and scolding people to stay at home and then celebrating Black Lives Matter and the rioters and protests. Heck, she marched herself. Her her profile banner picture is taken from the march where she's marching. It's like an in the crowd uh, photo. So, you know, stay again. That's one of the just, you know, hypocrisies uh, uh, of the left is, you know, has always been. And I've been railing on this is, you know, everybody has to stay home, stay home, stay home. All right, everybody protest, protest. Now stay home, stay home, stay home. And she's of that mindset. So does that matter 
to this story that happened six years ago that now comes out just as he's on the verge of this uh, of winning a, a, a race for a congressional seat that she is not going to be a supporter of his politically right she is at, uh, diametrically opposed to his politics so does that matter to this story i think it does i think it kind of does um there are some other uh women though that told their stories and are quoted in the world magazine so let's go through uh some of these let's see here oh and the daily caller also picked up the story and i'll get to that too so uh uh matt uh, sorry harvest prude is the reporter for the world magazine she says, I interviewed Krolikas earlier this month before her Instagram post after learning about her claims. Okay, she don't know how she learned about the claims. She says, I also spoke with people to whom she described the incident before Cawthorn announced his run for Congress. Before he ran for Congress. So that's not actually, that's not actually like contemporaneously. That's not saying that she told somebody immediately after it happened. It's saying... She told somebody before he announced his run. So that's a six-year window. Did it happen like a month, two months before the run? I don't know. I obtained screenshots of text messages in which uh, Cawthorn confirmed some details from uh, about her account, which we know because Cawthorn says, yes, I texted her when I found out that this was out there. So how did this get out there? Um, let me see here. Let me... Uh, well... I'll just finish this part. Krolikas was a high school senior at the time of the fall 2014 incident in Asheville, North Carolina. She was part of the same Christian homeschooled community, and she described the community as one where parents organized activities such as sporting events, dances, and cooperative classes. Um, then says it was a, call, a, a cool fall day. She addressed warmly. Uh, she met at Biltmore Park, a town center with a movie theater, restaurant, stores, and businesses. So Biltmore Park Town Square. Um, Cawthorn, who drove a handicap accessible vehicle, invited her to get into his car, and the two rode together about 20 minutes to a secluded field for a campfire. Again, no mention of what Cawthorn says was, first, they had dinner. And I, I point that out because if dinner went very badly, why would you go with him to another location? Right? Why would you go sit around a fire and make s'mores? Unless Cawthorn's lying about that component of the date. Um, and here's a direct quote from her statement. She says, I felt pressured and unsure of how to say no. Direct quote from her Instagram statement that's also in the article. She says she doesn't remember how long the remainder of the date lasted and doesn't remember Cawthorn saying anything during the drive back to her car. Does that sound odd to you? 20-minute drive, no words spoken, whole rest of the date no words spoken she doesn't even remember what else happened during the rest of the debate uh, rest of the date but Cawthorn says it, that that they did hang out for quite a while afterwards and talked around the campfire made s'mores and all this they drove back and he didn't think there was anything else of it um since 2014 Krolikas said she has not spoken to Cawthorn again about the incident but she told three Asheville area friends about it I interviewed two of them they confirmed that Krulikas told them about the date with Cawthorn. One named Lisbeth Cheryl, a childhood friend of Krulikas, confirmed that Krulikas called her and told her about the date a few weeks after it occurred. Okay, so now that's contemporaneous. That's a that's an uh, during the same time frame that lends credibility to her story. A second named Madison Jameson 
learned about the incident while exchanging Instagram messages with Krolikas in August of 2019. Well now, that's quite different, isn't it? August of 2019. So, like a year ago. In one of the messages, Krolikas tells Jameson he tried to forcibly grab her after she declined to kiss him. Two things. I did some looking around. Lizbeth Sherrill. Lizbeth Sherrill. Um, she's a Black Lives Matter, white privilege post in person on Facebook as well. And Madison Jamieson. Uh, let's see here. Do, 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 do. She is a supporter of Mo Davis. And she's a lefty as well. And back in January, she, or sorry, back or, uh, August 4th, she lifted a... Um, Facebook post from Madison that was in January, quoting his dad that said, uh, women need men to tell them what to do. Wise words from my wonderful father. Okay. Said that on January 2nd. That's a joke. I'm not sure a lot of people on the left understand humor, but that was a joke. That's his da- his dad. Can you hear a dad making that joke? You know, women need men to tell them what to do. Right. Like it's a joke. But Madison Cawthorn posts it, and so now, of course, it's proof. And that's what Madison Jameson took, and she posted it up there and had links to Mo Davis's uh, 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 social media post on it as well. Does that matter? See? Does, this, does it matter that three of the three women I have so far named, that they're all lefties? Does that matter to this story? Maybe. Right? Possibly. I think it's kind of relevant. Just like this, Rowena Patton, 333-4043, that's going to be really relevant if you are trying to buy or sell a house. Mountainhomehunt.com, that's their website, also relevant. She's a part of this community, and uh, she just so happens to be an awesome real estate agent. She outsells 99% of the realtors in North Carolina, and she is the only agent that I would use to buy or sell a home. Uh, Give her a call at 333-4043, mountainhomehunt.com, and then start packing. All right. Next up, uh, soon after, on February... Th- oh, sorry. This is how the Cawthorn campaign found out about these uh, about Krolikas and her uh, story about their date. Earlier this year, Lizbeth Sherrill received a text from Cawthorn's campaign asking if he could count on her vote. Assuming it was an automated message, she texted back saying she would not vote for Cawthorn because of what he had done to her friend. Soon after, on February 3rd, Krulikas got two text messages from somebody who identified himself as Madison Cawthorn. The texts that World Magazine has reviewed said, I remember you and I went on a date. This is to now um, uh, Krulikas. I remember you and I went on a date to that campfire years ago, and I remember I asked if I could kiss you, and you said no, but I thought you were just being coy, and then I really quickly kissed you, and that's all I remember. I can see in hindsight now that was over the line, and I am sorry. Well, that's not her story. Her story, she never says no. His story, he remembers her saying no, and then he kisses her anyway, so that would be over the line. But he does apologize now for he says, in hindsight, that was over the line and I'm sorry. So he does apologize for that. While she, well, the text described a quick kiss, Krolikas told me she doesn't even remember an actual kiss, only an attempted one. The campaign spokesman 
said in a response to this account that voters in North Carolina should process this unfounded allegation with common sense and grace. This was one of Madison's first dates after he was confined to a wheelchair for the rest of his life. When an anonymous person brought this matter to the campaign's attention, Madison personally reached out to the woman, Katrina Krolikas, and apologized if his attempt to kiss her when he was a teenager, made her feel uncomfortable or unsafe. He was relieved when Miss Krolikas shared that she does not feel like a victim. It's unfortunate that this is now being used by Democrats to further their political agenda. Asked about the campaign's response, Krolikas told me by text, quote, I have not been used or put up by any Democrats. You don't have to be put up by Democrats. Krolikas has described herself on social media as a Democrat, but says she no longer lives in Asheville and will not be voting for uh, either Cawthorn or his opponent. Now, real quick, you know how important your website is to your business, right? You need it to turn up in search engine results. You want it to look professional and user-friendly, and you know how to do your business, but you probably don't know how to do the website so much. Design, maintenance, not your bag, right? You know who does, though? My friend Schaefer Smith. Schaefer Smith Design. Great design can solve a lot of your website's problems. Professional services, corporate, small business, entrepreneurs, Schaefer Smith can help you with graphics and photos and online stores, search engine optimization, website maintenance and security, does logos. Go to schaefersmith.com and get the most out of your website. That's schaefersmith.com. So then there's the second story, which is Francesca McDaniel, who grew up in the same community. She was at Biltmore Baptist Church for a graduation ceremony. He was, Cawthorn was the featured speaker. She had a boyfriend at the time. He attended the ceremony, but he left immediately after it following an awkward exchange with her dad. Before his speech, McDaniel said Cawthorn began sending her flirtatious Facebook messages complimenting her appearance. After a reception, Cawthorn, who was a friend of her brother, tagged along with her family to dinner at Papa's and Beer. And uh, after the dinner, they were going to a friend's house for a party, and Cawthorn offers her a ride. He then takes her to the Blue Ridge Parkway, uh, says he wants to go stargazing, and uh, she tells him uh, that, he well, he asks her, why don't you like me? And she says, I don't like you because I think you're a huge player. <laughs> and um, he asks other personal questions, um, and... Uh, much along the same lines of what he asked Krolikas, she says. Um, and he talked about his uh, private parts and said uh, that he could still have fun despite the accident. He pulls off the road and she says, no, I have a boyfriend. And uh, he told her nobody had to know. And then he kisses her uh, twice. She pushes him away with two hands to his chest. She turns and tries to grab the passenger door handle. And at that moment, the lock snapped shut. But at the same time, he assures her that they're going to head to the party. And um, then she says, I felt like pressure to give in to it because he started being aggressive. And he's a strong guy. He had big arms and he worked out his upper body a lot. And so then they kissed again for like a minute and her nervousness did not subside she told him she didn't want her parents to find out uh, that she wasn't at her friend's house and she told a friend of hers a few days after it happened and that friend confirmed the story to world magazine then there was a third story about a woman who graduated from patrick henry college uh and she was 19 years old at the time cawthorn uh, was at the dining hall he made some sort of speech or something and uh, then he asks her whether she thought one of her girlfriends would go out with him on a date. Suddenly, Cawthorn places his hand on her upper leg 
uh, near the hem of her dress. His hand was on the side and his fingers were on the back of my leg. She remembers nothing like that had happened to her before. And uh, after that, she avoided him. She did not report the incident to school officials, but she did tell her roommate and the roommate confirmed that to World Magazine. Uh, I can't examine the veracity of any of that last story because there are no details for me to examine. It's both anonymous and the roommate was given to the reporter by this person who made the claim. Uh, Now, this second case, this McDaniel woman, she came forward after she saw Krolikas's Instagram post. And so maybe that's what delayed the world publication uh, from going to print, because the Instagram post went up. This woman, Francesca McDaniel, sees it. She then gets gets in contact with somebody, because world hadn't published. So does she contact Krolikas? And then does Krulikas give her off to the World Magazine reporter? Probably. Don't know if that should raise suspicions or anything, but all of the people that I have named all tend towards the left politically. I don't know if that's important, but it seems like it might be. Now, the Daily Caller uh, has some comments from John Hart, who was the campaign spokesman, who said Madison has no recollection of the anonymous accusation and denies being forceful in the other two circumstances. Uh, he called it a mix of half-truths, untruths, and potentially fabricated allegations based on double anonymous sources. Uh, he says there's a big difference between a failed advance and being forceful to the extent that's possible when you're a paraplegic. If being guilty of an awkward failed advance is a disqualifying event every male in public office should resign uh then later on the world magazine says in a phone conversation when deputy editor michael renault and reporter harvest prude would not agree to an off-the-record conversation hart hung up without answering our questions hart provided the daily caller with a statement that he sent to world news after his phone conversation Uh, he said we were cautioned against communicating with this reporter uh, by people who knew her because they claimed she was politically liberal antagonistic towards madison based on past interactions and could not be trusted to be objective he said we engaged with her anyway sadly those warnings seem to be well founded okay so that's where we stand right now we'll see what 24 hours brings that's a wrap for this episode remember subscribe to the podcast i appreciate that give it a positive review and maybe become a patron of the program you get cool stuff and exclusive content links are all at thepetecalendarshow.com and in the description of the podcast thanks so much for the support i appreciate it we'll talk to you later don't break anything while i'm gone